The topics we'll be discussing in this episode are the five biggest threats to the stock market in 2021, 55% of New York City firefighters say they won't take COVID-19 vaccine, Tom Brady's business got $1 million in PPP loans, Argentina to hit the rich with a wealth tax, and feel free to listen to these episodes on Spotify, etc., where all podcasts are available. If you like daily updates about business, money-related news, subscribe and hit the like button to stay informed. So the five biggest threats to the stock market in 2021. In 25 days, one of the wildest years on record for the stock market will come to a close. In the investing community has witnessed the fastest bear market decline of at least 30% in history, the quickest rebound from a bear market bottom to new highs of all time, the highest reading ever recorded for the CBOE Volatility Index, a brief period where West Texas intermediate crude oil features traded deeply in the negative. And yet, despite all the disruptions and uncertainty caused by the coronavirus disease in 2019, right, pandemic, the benchmark S&P 500 index is on track for a double-digit yearly gain, while the iconic Dow Jones Industrial Average may well finish the year above 30,000. With potentially multiple effective COVID-19 vaccines on the horizon and the Federal Reserve pledging to keep interest rates at or near historic lows for a minimum of three more years, it would appear that the stars are aligned for equities to thrive in 2021. But this might not be the case. Here are the five biggest threats to the stock market in 2021. Number one, vaccines fail to halt the pandemic. Arguably, the biggest potential perpetrator of a stock market crash in 2021 is the recent savior of the S&P 500 in Dow Jones, which is vaccines. On the bright side, the Pfizer, BioNTech, and Moderna vaccine candidates blew the expected efficacy number out of the water. Researchers were expecting a vaccine efficacy similar to what we see with influenza around 50% to 60%. What Pfizer and BioNTech and Moderna delivered were respective of around 95% and 94.5%. On the surface, these figures offer a real chance to halt the pandemic. The issue is that we don't know some very pertinent information about these vaccine candidates. In particular, we don't know how long these vaccinations provide protection, nor do we know if taking the vaccine ensures that a patient can't spread the illness to others. There are questions that will be answered over time, and it might signal Wall Street's premature victory over COVID-19. Number two, not enough people choose to get the vaccine. To build on the first point, a vaccine is only as effective as the public's willingness to take it. Back in May, Pew Research Center surveyed adults to assess their willingness to take a COVID-19 vaccine, if available. Seven months ago, 72% of those polled would definitely or probably get the vaccine, compared to 27% who would choose not to. In September, Pew asked U.S. adults the same question, but with strikingly different results. This time, around only 51% definitely or probably would get the vaccine, 
with those definitely in favor of getting inoculated have, having halving from 42% to 21%. Meanwhile, those definitely against getting the vaccine more than doubled from 11% to 24%. This shift can be explained by the public viewing these vaccines are as being rushed through the normal regulatory process. Further, the mortality rate of COVID-19 has fallen since May as we've learned more about the illness and have stepped up testing. According to Dr. Anthony Fossey, the director of the National Institute of, for Allergy and Infectious Disease, at least 75% of the population would need to get the vaccine to achieve herd immunity. That's looking unlikely, which leaves the stock market vulnerable to another steep sell-off. Number three, the U.S. falls off the stimulus cliff. If lawmakers on Capitol Hill don't act quickly, a lack of fiscal stimulus and protections created during the coronavirus pandemic could cause the U.S. economy to go over a cliff. There's no question that for the time being, the U.S. economy is on the mend. Multi-decade highs for the unemployment rate have continued to retrace, while consumption has been on the rise. Consumption accounts for about 70% of the U.S. gross domestic product. The concern is that we're seeing a spike in COVID-19 cases around the country that far exceed the levels observed in the spring or summer. As a result, select states have, again, chosen to impose tighter restrictions to lessen the spread of the SARS-CoV-2 virus that causes COVID-19. These restrictions may lead to job losses and reduce economic activity, only this time around there's no stimulus to prop up struggling workers and families. In a matter of weeks, we could reach a point where renters can no longer pay their landlords and creditors can no longer pay their debtors. A lack of financial protections provided by Washington, D.C. could hit financial stocks hard and drag the stock market notably lower. Number four, Democrats win both Georgia Senate runoffs. There's also a lot riding on the Senate seat runoffs in Georgia. As things stand now, Republicans have won 50 U.S. Senate seats, compared to the 48 held by Democrats and Independents. If the GOP were to win one of the two remaining runoff seats, which has long been the ex expectation of Wall Street, they'll hang on to control of the Senate until at least early 2023 with the White House and House of Representatives under Democrat control. A split Congress would make Wall Street very happy because it would make corporate tax hikes and major policy changes unlikely. But if both Democratic Party candidates win on January 5th, it would essentially create a 50-50 tie in the Senate. And any votes that end in a tie, the Senate, are broken by the Vice President, which in this case would be... Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, although technically, legally, she is not the Vice President-elect yet. In other words, if lawmakers strictly voted along party lines, with Harris providing the tie-breaking vote, we could see a corporate tax hikes and tax shape under the Biden administration. And according to various Wall Street estimates, Increasing the peak marginal corporate tax rate to 28% from 21% would slash earnings by about 10% and could well send the stock market 
tumbling down. Number five, short-term emotions get the better of investors. A final stock market threat that can't be overlooked in 2021 is our own emotions. Even if you're a long-term focused investor, you should know that there are more than enough short-term oriented traders and emotion-driven investors to move the stock market based on news events. The reason stock market corrections and crashes seem to happen much faster than orderly increases in the S&P 500 and Dow Jones has to do with emotions getting the better of short-term traders and sending them scurrying to the exit. The data is pretty clear that if you hold on to your investments over the long term and allow your investments thesis to play out, you have a pretty good chance to build your wealth. Likewise, stock market correction and crash data is also pretty clear. We've witnessed a decline of at least 10% in the S&P 500 on average early or every 1.84 years since 1950. Emotions can be a dangerous thing when it comes to investing. Don't be surprised if an overreaction to a short-term event hits the stock market hard in 2021. of New York City firefighters say they won't take COVID vaccine as city continues to see cases surge. Over half of New York City firefighters said they will not get vaccinated for COVID-19 despite the second wave of cases in the city. Nearly 55% of 2,053 firefighters responded no when asked, will you get the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer when the department makes it available, according to a recent union study. Their survey was conducted by the Uniformed Firefighters Association, the UFA, and a union representing 8,200 active firefighters in New York City. UFA President Andy Ensbro said the survey accounted for 25% of their active members, according to the New York Post. If the survey's findings become reality, as New York State anticipates 170,000 doses of Pfizer's vaccine pending the Food and Drug Administration's FDA emergency approval, thousands of first responders would remain vulnerable to the virus and continued to be potential spreaders, reported the Post. Tom Brady's business getting near $1 million PPP loan is shameful. Tom Brady is the second highest paid NFL player of all time, with more than $260 million in career earnings. At age 43, he's making more money playing football this year than he ever has before after signing a two-year, $50 million contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the offseason that is fully guaranteed. This doesn't even account for Brady's numerous lucrative endorsement deals off the field or the fact that his wife, Giselle Bunchen, is reportedly worth $400 million. 
It might feel like Brady is going to play forever, but he's already made plans to stay busy when he eventually retires. Brady launched TB12, a health and wellness company, a few years back to sell supplements and merchandise like really expensive pajamas, frozen dinners, resistant bands, resistance bands, and what, it, what this website once called the world's most pretentious cookbook. When the federal government opened the Paycheck Protection Program to send loans to small businesses in need during the pandemic, TB12 was at the front of the line. We learned this summer that Brady's company received a PPP loan, and now we finally know how much it was for. Brady's company was eligible to apply for the loan by meeting the company size standards and business classifications but it didn't exactly fit the spirit of what the PPP loans hoped to accomplish. The program was designed to help self-employed people struggling to make rent, payroll, and utilities not give a $1 million handout to one of the country's wealthiest citizens. Meanwhile, so many businesses that were actually in need were shut out from the loan as money quickly dried up. What was Brady's company supposed to do? Return the loan? That's what the Los Angeles Lakers did after they were given $4.6 million in PPP loan payment, but refused to accept it. The blame here doesn't fall with Brady or his company as much as it does a broken system that allows it to happen. While tens of thousands of hardworking small business owners were reportedly shut out from loan money, wealthy business owners collected checks and the banks made more than $10 billion in processing fees, according to reports. Brady's business, being like the furthest possible thing from essential, only makes all this more unseemly. TB12 electrolyte powder isn't going to save anyone during a pandemic. At his day job, Brady has now been granted with the ability to call plays with his team, coming off two straight losses. If this doesn't work, there's no bailout coming to save him. Argentina to hit the rich with wealth tax acts COVID-19 costs rise. Argentina's Senate late Friday approved a proposed one-time wealth tax which seeks to boost government revenue by targeting millionaires with assets of more than 200 million pesos or 2.4 million U.S. dollars. The legislation, which has had already passed the lower house, was pro- uh, promoted by the governing coalition and spearheaded by lawmakers Carlos Heller and Maximo Kirchner, son of Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. It seeks to plug a gap caused by a plunge in government revenue due to the strict lockdown authorities imposed to fight the pandemic, with limited success. This is a unique one-time contribution, said Senator Carlos Casario, a member of the committee responsible for the bill, according to a statement on the Senate's website. We're coming out of this pandemic like countries come out of world wars, with thousands of dead and devastated economies. The law will target between 1% and 3% of a taxpayer's wealth, Casario said. It specifies a 50% surcharge for money stashed abroad. More than 500 Argentines took up tax residency abroad this year, almost half of them in Uruguay, which has been more effective in controlling the coronavirus pandemic. Non-resident 
Deposits in the Uruguayan banks have risen by at least $500 million since it became clear last year that the coalition, led by President Alberto Fernandez, would take power in Argentina. Check out Fortiumbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons and courses, and do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And automate your investing with Acorns down in the description below.